be seated. Would man that it's so comforting to sing those words. His name is a strong and mighty tower, a safe place, a refuge. And that's what we have in Christ among so many other things. Great to be together this morning. Welcome to Christ Church. For those of you joining us online, good to have you with us, either on Facebook or on mychristchurch.live. If you're in the building, awesome to be together. My name is Jeremy. I don't know if we've met. I've met a lot of you. Some of those people joining us every single week. And so if you're newer to Christ Church, welcome. We'd love to just meet you and shake your hand and get to know you a little better as well. Uh, I'm one of the pastors on staff here and have the honor this morning to bring God's Word to you. So grab your Bibles, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10, and, uh, and just to kind of get the conversation started today, uh, and by conversation, I mean I'm going to do all the talking. So just to get the conversation started today, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to throw a few questions at you. What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What is it that gets you up and motivates you and gets you moving? Like, what is your why in life? Mm. Or maybe maybe you struggle with this thought, like, does, does anything I actually do matter? Do I really have a why? Is my life kind of insignificant and, and nothing I really do seems to matter anyways? Maybe that same mental conversation you have this thought from time to time, like there's been so many amazing things that I've been able to achieve and have success, in, but something just feels off, and something feels empty, it feels like it's missing, this gnawing feeling that something's just not right. What, what, is, my, what is my purpose? Do I even have a purpose? And graduating seniors, uh, most of you graduated, can we give a hand to our graduating seniors? At this point in your life, you're at a kind of a, a fork in the road. Like, which way do I go? How do I know which way to go? How do I know which path to choose? How do I know what to do with my life? And these are these are important questions that we're challenged with. And there's no small skirmish in our minds over the answers to these questions. What am I supposed to do with my life? Does it even matter? How do I and how do I know? And over in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul describes a spiritual battle that is going on around us. And we are in a series called Mind Wars, and each week we're picking out a specific battle that we might fight within our minds uh, and how we gain victory and how we win that battle. So let's look over at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is our theme text for the whole series, Mind Wars. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. That means that we live in a physical world. And, but there is a war that's raging, but it's not a physical war. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they're not physical. They're not guns and, and military strength, but they do have divine power to destroy strongholds. A stronghold in Bible times was a military installation. It was a fortress. It was a well-defended military outpost that, that oftentimes served as prison. a prison. It was, it was impenetrable. A stronghold in Bible times would have been something like what we would understand today to be kind of like this. Maybe you're familiar with this prison. This is Alcatraz. It sits in the San Francisco Bay. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and it's better known as the rock because it sits on, on, a, on a rock up emerging from the middle of the bay. Uh, there's been no known or no confirmed escapees. There were a few guys that were able to break out, but we don't know for sure if they made it out or they survived in the bay, but Alcatraz was one of the, the, 
the highest security prisons. It started out as a military outpost in 1934. It became a federal prison. It was until 1963 before it was shut down. So when we think stronghold, we think things biblically like kind of like this, a, a fortress, a well-fortified building. It's, it's a prison. It's a, it's a physical stronghold. But Paul's not talking about physical strongholds here. He's talking about spiritual strongholds, but he's using a picture that they understand. It says we have divine power to destroy strongholds. What is a spiritual stronghold? He tells us right here in verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that's raised against the knowledge of God. We take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. Spiritual strongholds are comprised of arguments, lofty opinions, knowledge that wants to raise itself above the knowledge of God and thought. See, the spiritual battle is happening in our minds, so that's what we call the series Mind Wars, because each one of us deal with specific strongholds. A stronghold is something that has a, a strong hold or a strong grip on your thinking and on your mind. Strongholds, biblically speaking, spiritually speaking, are deeply entrenched patterns of thinking. Sometimes we, we live in a prison of thoughts, kind of like Alcatraz. There's no escape. There's no getting out. This is an impenetrable force. But the good news is God's word says that we have weapons that have divine power to pull those strongholds down. So the specific stronghold we are going to go after today is this thought, this lie, this fear, the stronghold is this, my life has no peace. We wrestle with with a sense of purpose or the lack thereof. Maybe you feel like my life has no purpose or maybe in that same kind of arena you feel this feeling that I, I, I know I've got purpose. I just don't know what it is. And I don't know how to get it. How do I know what my purpose is? We're going to talk about that today. So what we're going to do, because if the weapons of our warfare are not they're not physical, but they do have divine power to pull down strongholds. Picture yourself going all-time cruise today. We're going to get it in our F-14s. Actually, what's he flying these days? Is it F-22 now? What's he fake flying these days? It wasn't F-14 in the 80s, right? It's an F-22 now, right? Or is he still flying an F-14? It doesn't matter. Right? What we're going to do is we're going to get in the jet, and we're going to fire a few missiles at this stronghold. We're going to fire a few missiles because the weapons of our war are not of the flesh of the mighty for pulling down strongholds. Where did I come from? Do I have a purpose? Does my life is it, is it have a why? Am I created or am I just a random fluke of nature? And that's, that's kind of a cultural, naturalistic view that we're taught often in culture is that the evolution explains your origin. If, if you're asking, do you have a purpose? The answer is no. Just kind of a random fluke of evolution. Uh, there's no divine orchestration. Our reality is a blind, unguided process. That stands in absolute opposition to what the Bible would say to be true about us. But when we struggle on, on a heart level with these lies around purpose, we have to dig down and, and examine, like, why do we really believe what we believe in? Why, why are we maybe feeling in this Alcatraz of thoughts around our purpose or lack thereof? As we talk about this today, I want to make this really, really personal. 
this is the thought to lead the way. If we're asking the question, like, do I have a purpose? And if so, then how do I know what it is? How do I find my purpose? We start with this thought. My purpose, personal, my purpose is discovered within God's purpose. The starting point is not you. If you want to know what your purpose is, don't start with you. Start with the one who made you, who created you. It's his purpose. My purpose is discovered within God's purpose. We're only saying that God's purpose is my purpose. So what's God's purpose? Great, that's awesome. What's God's purpose? His purpose is his glory. We're going to talk more about that because that's an important, important biblical principle. His purpose is his glory and it's the redemption the salvation, the restoration of a broken, fallen world. Broken, fallen people. Maybe you've experienced his redeeming work in your life, and if so, he calls you on board. He's like, you're on the team, you're on mission. Your purpose is his purpose. You find your specific purpose within God's purpose. It's a journey of discovery. So let's deconstruct a world like our cultural Let's begin to construct a biblical worldview. We're going to work our way kind of from broad with a few passages down to more narrow, down to more specific with a few more passages. Let's pray before we move on. Lord, in these moments, we open up our hearts. Uh, these, this question around purpose and, and what is my purpose and how do I know and have a purpose are such important questions to answer. And your word is certainly not quiet on the issue. So we look to you today. We ask that you would speak to us broadly and that you would speak to us specifically for the uniqueness of the calling you've got for each individual. In Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right, number one, if you want to know what your purpose is, the starting point, the, the beginning of it is this. Number one, I exist. This is why I exist. I exist to glorify God. You're like, thanks, that really helps. Like, I'm asking you, what am I supposed to do? Okay, we're going to get there. But you can't get there without starting here. If we don't understand our broad purpose, we will never understand our specific purpose. I exist to glorify God. Now, if we're not careful, this idea of glorifying God can become kind of hyper-spiritual. It can sound really churchy, really Christianese. Like, that's awesome. And you see on the wall out there, we exist glorify God, and it's like, sweet. I have no idea what that actually means, but it sounds really spiritual, and so if I say, I just glorify God, it makes me feel spiritual. I still have no idea what my purpose is, but I feel spiritual, right? We're not careful it can go there. It's so much more than just this churchy language or this abstract principle. To glorify God means that we live in such a way that our lives reflect Him, who He is. We point to Him. It's Our lives are not about us. I'm nothing. He is everything. If there's something that I want to, to speak of and to point people to and to exemplify, it's his infinite value, his infinite worth, his wisdom, his power, his righteousness, his goodness, his justice, his truth. It's his holiness. Like I want to live to just to just glorify God. To point people to him. And that's what the world needs most. This world is so desperately broken because of rebellion against God that the healing of this world is found in right relationship with him. He is. So when we say we're all about God's glory, it's his purpose to be about his glory, it's because that's what we need the most. 
Now, before we can ask the question, okay, so what do I do? What do I do with my life? How do I glorify God? If I, first we need to know that we exist to glorify God. Before we can get to what we do, we have to ask the question, who am I? Because who we are always drives what we do. If we don't know that we exist to glorify God, and we don't know who we are in Christ, we're never going to know what to do. So we're kind of on the highway. Just stay with me. We're going to get, eventually we're going to get off on an exit ramp, and then we'll get into some back roads, and, and there's a very specific destiny that God's called each one of us to. You have to, you have to settle the question, who am I? Over in 1 Peter 2, 9, you can look up here, 1 Peter 2, 9 tells us exactly who we are. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now I want you to notice the pattern here because we see this all through scripture. It's happened all across scripture. It's upward, inward, outward. Upward, inward, outward. We first find our identity and who we are upward. We, we, we go inward to what do we really believe, and then we live our faith outward based on what's on the inside that comes from our relationship with him. You are chosen. It means it was God's initiative to choose you. He selected you. He said, I want you. I choose you. You are a royal priesthood. It means that you're adopted into the family of God. You have, you have great worth and value. You've been adopted into the the king of kings family. You're holy. You're set apart. Not like this world. You're not supposed to be like this world. And I love this. His own possession. We're set apart. People called for his own possession. You know, within each one of us lies the, the longing to, to belong to something, right? To have a sense of belonging. Like, I matter somewhere. I belong. This is what this passage tells us, is that we are his special possession, his own possession. We find our belonging in him, in our relationship with him. Now think about the upward, inward, outward. This is this is really why we do church the way we do. So just kind of kind of track this figures. There is a method behind the madness. I promise you, we're not just going through all of the this is what we're supposed to do for church motions. We gather together on the weekends in settings like this for the purpose of, of upward. Glorifying God, worshiping God, listening, sitting, hearing his, his word, hearing him speak to us through his word, and just focusing our attention on him. We then we gather in community groups throughout the week more to look inward and to and to ask the questions, how am I really doing? What am I really uh, struggling with? How am I growing as a disciple in Christ inwardly? And then out of that we live outwardly and find the uniqueness of what God's given us and the gift of us. How do I serve? How do I just not just worship God and think about my own discipleship, but how do I serve his purposes in this world? And that's what he says here in 1 Peter 2, 9. All of these things, you are, this is who you are, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. Another way of saying that is that we glorify God. We proclaim his excellence. We proclaim all of who he is. Another way to make, to make that a bit more tangible is this, that we represent God represent him in this earth. We represent him. Now think about that. If, if I exist to glorify God, and I live out of who I am, and I'm chosen to live holy in his own possession, I, I go upward, inward, outward, this determines my trajectory in life. Everything I do filters through these truths. Am I representing God? Am I glorifying God? 
in the way that I treat other people? Am I glorifying God in the way that I work? Am I sloppy or am I diligent in my, in my acts of excellence? Am I glorifying God with, with whatever my hand finds to do? I do it wholeheartedly as unto the Lord in the way that I speak, in the way that I act, in the way that I raise my children, in the way that I parent my kids. Now, now I want to pause there because it's important uh, to note that sometimes the things that God calls us to, like like a job or like a certain role or maybe a career or to be a parent, <clears throat> oftentimes if we're not careful, those things, those things can assume God's role and, and become our purpose. Really what they are is they're sub-purposes. They are important tasks. They are important assignments that can be temporary that God gives us. But the overarching purpose is his glory. It's to proclaim who he is in this earth. That affects everything. You can't get to the, the specificity of God, what you uniquely called me to, without first saying it, it falls under the umbrella of glorifying God. My purpose is not about me. It doesn't start with me. It doesn't end with me. It's to glorify Him. And I don't, I don't get sidetracked in, in sub-purposes. It's awesome to be a, a, a wonderful dad who cares for works hard for your family, provides loving father and moms who work so hard to raise the kids and, and uh, do all that you do. But those things are not your primary purpose. They're secondary purposes. Don't lose sight of your primary purposes to glorify God. I exist for His glory and His purposes. Paul said this over in 120. This is another fantastic illustration of this principle. He said, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, highlight this circle, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul's heart was like, I just want Jesus to be honored in my body. He, he knew that it wasn't, all, it wasn't about him. It was all about Jesus. He was living for the glory of the Savior, the Messiah. What, is, what does he mean that Christ would be glorified in my body? This, this is what it means, that Christ would be honored in my body. It means that we take the invisible nature of Christ, the invisible nature of God, and all of his invisible qualities, and we make them visible and, and tangible to the world around us. Mm. You see, God is spirit. We can't touch him or see him He's spirit, and so what, as, as we have a relationship and as we live to glorify him, he actually becomes tangible through our physical bodies. That's the reason you have a physical body, is that Christ would be honored in your body, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see that? God wants to show up in your world and through you. But when we don't get that, when we're living over here for ourselves, we don't understand that our, our specific purpose falls underneath his broad purpose, and we'll never know what it is. We make his invisible nature and attributes visible to the world around us. So in, in seeking God for his specific purpose, let us start big, broad. Uh, if we're going to get down to the, the specific, let's start in the right starting point and let's run on the right track. If you're seeking God for his specific purpose for your life, make this your purpose. This will help you if you're, if you're seeking him for <coughs> what your, your purpose is. Father, I live for your glory. 
not by my your glory. Glorify yourself in me. Accomplish your work through me. May I, may I make your invisible nature and character visible to the world around me. Would Christ be honored in my body? It's not about me. I'm broken and sinful. Jesus, you be elevated in my life. Not my will, but your will be done. Show me how I can serve others. And may I represent you or glorify you well in this earth. That's the starting point. If you're, if you're trying to get to the place of your unique purpose, and you're struggling and grappling with this idea that I have no purpose, or I just don't know what it is, I can't seem to find it. Maybe the problem is that you're not even the right ballpark. If, if your starting point is me and what do I want, and how do I feel valuable, and what do I do to make myself feel good about me, you're always going to be living a selfish and meaningless and empty existence. But when you start from this starting point, this starting line, and you run on this track, now you're in the right ballpark. Maybe the problem is that you just have the wrong starting point. Submitting yourself to your creator for his purpose puts you in the right playing field. Now that you're on the, the right playing field, now we can start talking about your specific position. Because your your why is like your why is not for you. Your why is to glorify God. Your why is to make His awesomeness known in this world, this broken dark world that we live in. This darkness that the light of His glory will shine through you. That's His will. That's His purpose for your existence. I exist to glorify God. My purpose, my specific purpose now, is discovered within God's broader purpose. That's number two. He crafted me for a specific purpose. I have the, the broad, the, the highway is, is we exist for God's glory to make him known. Now this is kind of like, we're going to get off the highway. Now we're on an exit ramp, right? He crafted me for a specific purpose. Not everybody has the same purpose. Not everybody gets to the same exact destination. He crafted me, he crafted you for a specific purpose. We are created in his image. As we see over in Psalm 139, let these words just, just reset your world and how you see the world and how you see yourself. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you formed my inward parts. Look at the language formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. <clears throat> There it is right there in the Bible. You've got Scott's into knitting, just so you know. Like your grandma's into knitting, right? God's into knitting. He just he loves to knit. So if you love to knit, it's because the Spirit of the Lord is upon you to knit. And my grandma was always making me a blanket. But you know, my grandma was like, I'm always knitting and crocheting my things. I don't know what it is, but there's something so godly about you knitting me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for looking at this. I'm fearfully. Wonderfully made, formed, knitted, made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame, I was being framed, was not hidden from me when I was being made in secret. Intricately woven, formed, knitted, made, framed, intricately woven. You saw my unformed substance. And this is so, so crucial. Look what he says next. The psalm says, in your book were written, every one of them. What was written? The days that were when as yet there was none of them. Now let me ask you a question. 
Is that true for you? Is that true? When, when as yet there were none of them? Is that just something that was true for the psalmist back then? Is that true for you today? It's true for us as well. Before there were any of your days, it was like God was writing your book. He was, he's the author. Your book has got pages, and there's words on the page, and there's chapters, and there's, there's chapters that you turn the page, and it's a new chapter. Maybe you find yourself in a chapter today. The thing that we find such great comfort in is that he wrote the story of your life. He wrote your book. And but he did it before you were even you were even uh, it physically appeared in this world. And he did it with such great precision and such great intentionality. There's nothing accidental. When, when we fall into the, this lie that we're just in this accidental fluke, that it was you're here accidentally and there's no real purpose behind you, it's so easy to get imprisoned in like this Alcatraz of this, this stronghold of thinking that my life has no purpose. I don't know what it is. I'm confused about it. God wrote the story of your life. He's very, very intentional. When you, look. you see, there, there are, there is such a thing as accidental parents. I can testify to that. I remember my dad, at one point, I was, I was a little kid, and we were standing in the backyard, and he was talking to the neighbor, and I must have, I don't know, the second or third grade this time, he's laughing and going on and on about how I was, I was the second child, so I had an older brother, and my parents intended to have my own brother, Ben, and I've got a younger sister, and my parents intended to have my younger sister, Rachel, and I was a complete accident, right? I was like the kid that was the unplanned kid. And I remember him telling the, telling the neighbor about it, and I'm like, wait a second. I was an accident, you know? And he, he, he looked up. We didn't plan on for God. Like, there's no such thing as an accidental person. There are accidental parents, but there's no such thing as an accidental person. Okay? He knitted you. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. Look what, look what Paul says over in Ephesians chapter 2. Now we're getting more narrow, okay? There's a specific purpose. He's written the story of your life. All of your days, before any of them were, before you came into being in this world, he wrote your story. Paul says something very similar in Ephesians 2.10. He says, for we are his workmanship. Sounds kind of like maybe he has a form frame, right? We are his workmanship, created, there you are, created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's, there's good things for you specifically to once we know that we exist for his glory, once we are settled in who we are, that we are a chosen people, a royal priest, a holy nation, we're set apart, we are his special possession, we belong in his family, we've been adopted into his family, then we can begin to look at these passages like Ephesians 2.10, or 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, or Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, these passages that talk about spiritual giftedness. You're his workmanship. Like he made you, he crafted you, created you in such a way for these good works. You were crafted for a specific purpose. Which God prepared beforehand. Here it is again. Beforehand, beforehand that you should walk in that. You should walk in So it kind of leads us then to this. Alright, I, I, I'm tracking I, I, I find my purpose my purpose is discovered within God's purpose. My broad purpose is I exist to glorify 
God, my likeness, to make his invisible attributes visible in the world around me. And then number two is that he crafted me for a specific purpose. I'm beginning to believe it, okay? See how God's word, it's like it's pulling the strongholds down, these lies and these fears that keep you in prison. Like, you don't have any purpose, and God doesn't care, and you're an accident, and there's no way you can really know. You're just going to wander through. You don't have any idea if you're fulfilling God's purpose or not. None of that is true. It is God's good pleasure to reveal his purpose for making you the way that you did. Mm -hmm. So there's some questions now that we can begin to ask. Scripture takes us, I, I love this, this picture. Scripture kind of takes us and holds us by the hand and says, you were made on purpose, you were made for a purpose, your creator loves you, he's very intentional, he's written the story of your life, he's got good works prepared in advance for you to do. And then there's some things in these passages that I mentioned earlier, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, Sam Fast, 1 Peter 4, that talk about the specificity of your giftedness. Now, in the place of your giftedness, you're going to be passionate. You're going to feel strong. So a good question is, what do you feel passionate about? Now, I'm not like, I feel passionate about being a, a rock star, so I'm really famous and everybody thinks I'm like the man. No, that's not what I'm talking about. What are you passionate about that serves his purposes, that glorifies him, not you? You know, there's a, a man in our church, maybe you know Jim Henson, who's sitting in the first row, small grade. And, uh, and if you met Jim at all, I don't know if he does this like all of us, the, the pastor John staff, Probably no less than ten times each of us. He's got us in the corner, you know, like pinned us in the corner, and he's like, "Let me tell you something, Jeremy. Let me tell you something. What you want to He's like, "I just, we've got to encourage families. We've got to encourage the men in our church to look at, at the kids of the world that are orphaned and in foster care and don't have parents. We need to really encourage our church to really think about adoption and adopting kids." And I'm like, "Man, that's awesome." And, and he tells me, he goes on to tell me his story. He's like, man, I was the guy who was like, no way, I'll never do that. Not me. My wife kept trying to talk me into it. And finally, I went to this meeting with her. I'm like, okay, I'll go to this meeting with you. And he said, I went to this meeting, and they presented these faces and these names, and my heart was broken. <laughs> and he goes, we, we adopted Matthew. Matthew's their son uh, from, from whole, the whole other country. And he goes, I will be the guy that for the rest of my life will be the cheerleader going, hey, this is, this is, you need to look at this. You've been adopted. You've been adopted into God's family. You need to think about adoption. And it just burns within his heart. It's this passion that's within him. These are, these are among the good works that, that God has called Jim to do. And, and he's, he came to the after service. He's like, please tell people, like, if, thank you for sharing that. If anybody wants to just talk, I, I just want to talk to them about it. So if, if, that, if that's like you know, something in your heart that God might be pricking you, I can, I can help get you connected with Jim. What are you passionate about? What are the good works he's prepared in advance for you to do? You know, there's no lack of good things, church. There's a million good things you could do. It's different. Sometimes the tension is not like between good things and bad things, oftentimes the tension in life will really determine our specific purpose is not between good and bad, it's between good and best. Like there's so many things we can do, so many good things to do, and God has called and equipped people into each arena 
so that he can be glorified, so that his invisible attributes can be made visible in, in all these arenas. I don't know where he's talking about. I don't know. Scripture takes us right off, off, the, off the highway to the back roads and back into the place that we're standing right at the edge of the woods and hand in hand, through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one that Jesus said, when he comes, he'll lead you into all truth. And there's still so much I want to tell you, but when the Spirit comes, he'll lead you into all truth. We, we discover our specific times. The reason, the specific reason that God created us, when we, when we go to God and live for your glory, to magnify you, that you would be exalted, that you would be elevated in my life, that I, I can make your invisible attributes visible in my world. And, and that's my why. That's what motivates me. That's what gets me out of bed. Now that gun can be aimed in many, many different directions. And God's got a specific target for each one of us to hit. And, and my target is not your target, your target's not mine, or yours is not the person next to them. We don't find our purpose by looking around and trying to determine what it is. We find our purpose by looking upward, inward, outward. One of the things that helps us when we, when we discover what are we passionate about, what are these good works, what has God called you to do? What should you say yes to? What should you say no to? You know, we're always saying yes to things and always saying no to things. Whether we're doing that intentionally or not, it's happening. God calls us to be intentional about how we invest our time and our energy. With every yes, there's, there's five no's. If I say yes, yes, yes to my thing, if I say yes, yes, yes to what I want to do, I'm inherently saying no to other things like investing in my marriage or discipling my children or what, like, what am I saying yes to? Just know that with every yes there's always an inherent no or five no's. We just need to be intentional about that. We need to invest our time and our energy and our efforts into the areas that he's gifted us for. So you have a unique gift. We see this so clearly in scripture and that God teaches us that there is a grace that you have and it, it is a part of God's very grace. It's a part of his his magnificent, incredible grace is that God takes a little bit of himself and puts it in you. And he's like, I want you to show the world that grace. That's how we glorify God's so big and so vast and so amazing that, you know, we could not take him in his entirety. So he, he, he puts himself in people. And over in 1 Peter, talks about his very grace. Like, I understand a specific part of the nature of God when I hang out with Brett. Like, when I talk to Brett, I'm like, I just see like, God's nature, his character, his gentleness, and the way he cares for me, his love for When I hang out with, with Evan and we go to Kudoga, man, that's our place, Kudoga, right? There's like this specialness about, I'm so excited about what God's doing, Evan, and there's a grace that's in you that doesn't look like anyone else. And I go all around the room. go all around the room. The point is that each of us have a, a very specific and special grace, and the, the purpose of it is to give it away. The thing about your grace is that it fits you specifically. You can't walk in somebody else's grace. Don't even try it. When, when we're looking around horizontally, okay, that person seems like they're really killing it, and they've got purpose and clarity. I should do what they're doing, then I'll have purpose and clarity. Like, no, that doesn't work. They're functioning in a grace that God's given them. We've got to find a grace that God's given us, and just, just functioning. And it's not even for us, though, it's to glorify God. We don't find it by looking around. It doesn't... It, Walk in our grace, it fits us. Makes me think of uh, Saul and David. Maybe you think back to the, the example of Saul and, 
and Goliath's taunting the army of Israel, and David steps up and he's like, oh, God, I'll go out fighting and grab him. So Saul's like, okay. And you know, Saul's like, yes, we did. You know, not letting him do it. And Saul goes, here, where are my armor? And, and, and you, you can picture this Saul and Goliath says he stood head to head and shoulders with everybody else. And David's just a young shepherd boy that, you know, tries to put his armor around. Like, and David, David knew this just inherently. He's like, I can't wear your armor. It doesn't fit me. Here's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to take my sling and my stones and I'm going to go out and I'm going to fight with what God's given me and what I'm doing. And God worked through him and what he's given him to bring the child back. Right? Mm-hmm. You walk in what God has given you. There's a grace that hits you. You're comfortable in your own skin. You're not insecure. You're not looking side to side and caring. When you get to that place where you're comfortable in your own skin and you know the grace that he's given you, God, I just want to glorify you with what you've given me. How do I serve and how do I love others? That's when it says on the wall, when we exist to glorify God. I exist to glorify God. You exist to glorify God by loving God, loving others, making disciples of all nations. You're free to really love and serve people when you're not trying to be someone you're not. You're just functioning within the grace that He's given you. He crafted me for a specific purpose. Now, this is where it gets really, really specific, and, and I want to be um, careful here. Um, John Piper, he speaks to this really, really well. Uh, you can get on YouTube and, and ask Pastor John questions. How do I know God's will for my life? And, and the way he unpacks it is so good. I want to just kind of say a couple things that he said, but I would encourage you to listen to that video later. God's, God's specific grace, his specific calling for me, when I, it falls under his broad purpose of his glory and his redemptive in this broken world. It can, it can exist within the marketplace. It can exist within the church. There are certain things in Scripture that God would say vocationally He cannot do that. You know, that cannot be glorified through that. Ask yourself this question. What has God allowed you to walk What specific and unique experiences have you walked through in life that you can look back and be like, man, I remember how hard that was and feeling like let the lie from last week was that God's abandoned me, God's forsaken me. But no, I held on and I just, when I didn't feel his presence, I, I trusted his promises. And I'm on the other side. And something strange happens when you walk through things. It's like God brings people to you. Have you noticed that? They're going through this thing that you went through so that you can be encouraged, so that you can glorify him in that. You can minister to and serve that person. You can make his invisible encouragement known in a physical way in that moment. So what have you been through? What are some of the unique experiences? Those things that point to God, let me walk through it for a purpose. You know, um, we have these fun little like, sayings, little quips, and uh, if anybody's on the worship team, Chris, Chris is really good at this. Uh, he has these, these little sayings like when he's praying with his team before he goes, hey guys, today, We're going to jam for the land, guys. We're going to jam for the land. And it's so funny, you know, Chris, it's, it's just funny the way that he does it. That's like worship leader land. In, in preacher land, preacher boy says things like this. You know, your test becomes your testimony. Your pain becomes your purpose. Here's my favorite. Your misery becomes your ministry. You know but it's true, isn't it? I mean, it's funny, but it's true. Your test, he turns into your testimony. Your pain 
into your purpose, your misery, into your ministry. What does he let you walk through? What are some of the unique things he's let you walk through that you can encourage others and glorify others? Glorify God and encourage others. What are you good at? What produces fruit? The good work she's prepared, it's, it's going to be natural to you. You're going to feel a sense of fulfillment and passion within it. And other people around you are going to be like, man, that's really good. Wise, godly counsel is going to affirm the giftedness that God's put in you. And all of these things, it's like, it's like a path. It's like a trajectory. Just keep walking that way. I don't know what he's got. But put your experiences together with, with your giftedness and what you're passionate about. It's been affirmed by godly counsel. And then there's this other part to it. This is where it gets very specific. And this is so deeply personal between you and the Holy Spirit that nobody can tell you what this is. No counselor can tell you what God's will for your life is. Maybe the right direction can cheerlead and be like, yeah, I don't know so much. That might not be it. But but nobody can tell you specifically. Let me ask you this question. What are the deep and reoccurring strong urges and impulses and strong desires that you have? And not just in any ordinary moment, but like in holy moments. Like in places of worship or in prayer or in, in community group or in church or just when you're in God's word. And it's like this thing just keeps coming up, 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 and you're like, Oh, man, I just feel so strongly about that. That's the Holy Spirit leading you to your specific purposes, the good works he's prepared in advance for you to do. What are those, what are those strong, reoccurring desires that will serve God's purposes and glorify him and have holy moments? Pay attention to that. Pay attention to ask that. You know, in a, in a few minutes, you're just going to spend a little more time reflecting and worshiping on these ideas that I exist to glorify God. That's my big broad purpose. But he crafted me. He crafted me. He designed me. He engineered me for a specific purpose. And my purpose is discovered within his purpose. These, the stronghold of thinking that, that would tell you you have no purpose, or you can't know what your purpose is, or you're never going to know, or God doesn't love you enough, that this is just random and accidental, all of those things, those, those strongholds can be pulled down and come crashing down with the truth of God's word. Take it personally. Now, there's nothing that you've done. I know another roadblock when we get to this point is it's like, but I had a sense of purpose and I blew it. I messed it up. I failed. I'm inadequate. I messed things up. God surely can't use me. I can't fulfill my purpose because he gave me a shot and I wrecked it. God's glory and his redemption will only shine brighter the more that you give to him, even in your failures, in your inadequacies and mistakes. Don't let that fall <clears throat> somehow you just blew it too bad that God can't reach you. That, that's another one. That's another song. His purpose for you has never changed through the seasons of life, through the chapters of life, through the sub-purposes, the temporary assignment. His purpose for you remains to, to know you, to love you, to know him, love him, by him, to make him visible in this invisible, his invisible father made visible in this world. Let's take a moment, let's pray together, and we'll continue to worship. Father, these lies, these fears, this deeply entrenched pattern of thinking 
And it just kind of burrowed its way down into our hearts, into our subconscious. They can hold us captive. It really can seem like it's true that we don't have a purpose. That we don't, that you don't want us to know what it is. That we'll never know what it is. That we can't know what it is. Or that we've blown it too fast so that we'll never walk in. All of those things are just lies. And above all of it, God stands your mercy. Stands your grace. Stands your redemption. So at the end of the day, we want to glorify you no matter what lies behind us. I pray for each person today that in these moments of worship, <coughs> these holy moments that have those resonating, reoccurring, strong desires to do specific things with you. Holy Spirit,